0: $100. Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick 2 to 6 players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against What's up, my friend? How you doing? I appreciate you taking the
2: time. Man, I'm doing phenomenal. I appreciate you. I I was texting you so much like, hey, might be this time. Hey, might be a little bit later. Hey, we're trying to get set up. So I appreciate you, man. I'm excited. Big day for y'all. Big day for college football with the
0: schedule release tonight, man. How are we feeling? Feeling great, man. I was going to say, J.D., the beauty of this show is, hey, you could tell me you're coming on at 1.30, 1.45. We have flexibility, my friend. That's the beautiful thing. We have flexibility. We're not rigid here. We roll with the punches, the beauties, and the banter content bleeding out the eyeballs either way, my friend. I want to say this first thing's first, by the way. This morning, I actually watched the latest uh, the latest piece you did on South Carolina. It was about a 10-minute video on your show. And uh, I want to say you did an incredible job, my friend. I want to start there, actually, because I know you mentioned a lot of things that we've talked about on this show and echoed and just talked about the importance of capitalizing on momentum. And certainly, they've done that on the recruiting side of things. But I do agree with you, J.D., and everything you said on that show that You know, momentum is a very, very real thing. I mean, it is a real thing. It's a fickle mistress at times because the second you get it, it can leave you just as fast. But I think to your point, J.D., and what you said, that's why it's so important for South Carolina to capitalize on it because you know as well as I do, the beauty of college football, but also it's a double-edged sword. Like one week can change everything or two weeks as we saw for Carolina literally at the end of last season. So them capitalizing on that momentum, I would agree with you, is really, really big, and it it starts early in that 2023 slate.
2: I mean, can you imagine if we're sitting here on a, let's call it a Wednesday, a Wednesday or a Tuesday after the game against Georgia, and let's just get, you know, I mean, they'll be a double digit underdog, which I'm sure South Carolina is just fine being. Let's say they beat Georgia. Like, what happens to the recruiting trail then if they end up being a team like Georgia? And that's, you know, a huge if. I understand that. I get some folks in Athens mad at us for saying stuff like that. But, like, I mean, even if they beat them or, heck, take that out the window, if they just look really solid and take Georgia to the fourth quarter and lose by a score or whatever, like, I think that would do a ton for, like you said, the momentum that they have available to them right now. Because South Carolina has has worked really hard to get this kind of open shot, if you will, on the recruiting trail. And if they can get a few buckets with the window at where it's at right now for South Carolina, I mean, and and, and the version of getting big-time wins, I mean, it feels like they've poured gasoline everywhere on the recruiting trail, and this season's going to be a chance for them to really light the match.
0: And I just really think that momentum, though, J.D., starts with Spencer Rattler and just raising the floor. I mean, we all know what he's capable of in regards to when he plays his best game, when it's all clicking. But, you know, I I haven't started yet to – I'll do it in a couple of weeks when we dive into, like, offense preview, defense preview, like really dive into the nitty-gritty of – breaking everything down and previewing the season, talking keys to each unit, keys to each position group. But, like, when you look at South Carolina, man, just if they could cut the turnovers in half, like if they, they cut them by a third, they cut them by a third, you add an extra win probably. I mean, because people don't realize how bad they were last year and how, you know, it's, it's crazy, J.D. I mean, JD, I mean again, I, I look back at some, you know, you, you look back at some content you've created or whatever, you see some posts kind of come up. You know, I've, I've got the time hop app and kind of see different things. And, like, I look back at Spencer Rattler's stat line last year, and you're just like, I mean, at one point, he had, like, five touchdowns and 11 interceptions or something crazy. I, you just, you forget about it conveniently, right? Because of the way it ended. But it's like, he threw more touchdowns in that Tennessee game, six, than he had the entire month of October. Like, I mean, it's just, like, that can't happen, though. So, like, getting, he doesn't have to be A-plus all year, right? But getting, he can't be A-plus week one and then F week two. Like, can you just get a B game from him from start to finish? I mean, I think you'd even take C plus at this point, as long as you don't have like the wild spray chart, right? Like it's like a professional golfer. They're not the best in the world because they can hit one good shot close to the hole. I mean, any 27 handicapper can do that. It's because their spray and their miss is so narrow. That's what makes them the best, the best. I think that you could equate Spencer Rattler to that. Can he limit his misses down to a smaller amount. I I think that's going to be really his key this year.
2: And Chris, we talked about on the last show, we talked about why is Vegas, you know, putting that six, six and a half number on South Carolina going into the year. And I think it's for exactly the reason that you just said. For the majority of the season, up until those last couple of games, Spencer Rattler was playing at a pretty subpar level, but the excitement is, okay, there's the ability there. We've seen that when he was at Oklahoma and last year at South Carolina. We saw the way they finished the year, his favorite targets coming back. And so there's a lot there to make you you know, excited and kind of wait with bated breath of what he could be. But just like you said, it's kind of that, okay, which Spencer Rattler are we going to get? And can we kind of cut down the spectrum of, really good and really bad, to just like, hey, we just need, like you said, that B+. plus. I would take a 7 out of 10 Spencer Rattler week in and week out, and I think South Carolina would too.
0: Yeah, and I think that would produce a very good season and a lot of wins if they can get a 7 out of 10 Spencer Rattler. And Also, a very high draft grade for him as well, because this is a huge year when you factor that in also. Uh, JD, Oklahoma and Texas, obviously, they're in the SEC. The schedule release show tonight, first things first, JD. It's got to be a dream. I know it is for me, and I'm just on the Gamecock side of things. It's got to be a dream for you, though, as a content creator from the national scale, which you talk a lot of SEC. You get two brands like Oklahoma and Texas in the league, man. I mean, that's again, that's a dream come true, dude, getting those those big players, if you will, what Venables is trying to do at OU. Obviously, Texas, a program on the rise, the way they're recruiting and what Sark is doing. And, you know, again, I know it's something you're in favor of. And it's it's funny, from like the national perspective and from like just the college football fan of me, I love it. When you start getting individual teams, it's like ah, you feel a little bit uneasy about what this schedule show could reveal tonight. But as a whole, how excited are you just to have them in the league and have them to talk about when it comes to SEC football?
2: I think we're finally at the part of conference realignment. That a lot of us as a college football community, whether you're a fan, whether you're people like us that get to work in this space, like we're at the part where now it's actually getting fun and exciting, and we're gonna see these new brands in the SEC. Like we tweeted something out today on our on our on-three main Twitter account. We got Texas and Georgia, it looks like lined up for 2024. Like that's gonna be incredible to get those two schools lining it up in the same conference. Like, that's gonna be so freaking fun Can you imagine reese davis doing his monologue and i don't know what time of the year it'll be but he's he's got texas it's in austin you got georgia coming to town like and that's a conference game with sec conference implications on the line with the sec title race like it's gonna be so fun to be able to one talk and two watch uh, these kind of matchups we're gonna get so the conference realignment part of it is a little bit less glamorous to talk about, well, they're moving for this much money. Here's what went into it. And here's the, you know, the seedy underbelly of what went into the conference realignment that we got going now. Uh, but when we actually get these teams on the field, when Texas lines up for their first possession against that Georgia defense, like that's all going to fade into the background and we're just going to devour. It's going to be awesome.
0: And, and JD, I feel like that's why, you know, college football is not invincible necessarily. Like they obviously need to need to make moves that drive the most – it's like any business, drive the most value to their end consumer. But that, That's why I feel confident that college football will always win, man, because, you know, I know people get exhausted with NIL and the portal and the realignment and all the money, and, but, like, at the end of the day, it's like Saturday's going to come. You know what I mean? Like, the traditions are going to be there. The uniforms, the teams, the stadiums, like, the, on, the, the, the play on the field. Like, at the end of the day, Saturday is going to come, my friend. You know what I mean? Like, this stuff that fills the air in the offseason – It's fun for you and I to talk about, and it gives us something to talk about. But, I I mean, I I don't want to speak for you, but I know for me, man, like I look forward to talking about – I love to talk ball, like actual ball on the field of play. And I think, again, to your point, J.D., at the end of the day, man, that's what's going to win because, you know, the alignment stuff can feel overwhelming. But, dude, like you mentioned, Georgia, Texas, I mean, say less. You know, South Carolina, Oklahoma, like say less. I, I cannot wait to see those matchups.
2: And it's two really good brands into an already really good conference. Like we're not adding subpar ingredients into the SEC where you're saying, uh, no shade to New Mexico. But if you add New Mexico into the SEC, we're saying, okay, I'm not getting fired up about South Carolina, New Mexico. Now give me (laughs) South Carolina, Texas. And obviously New Mexico is, you know, on the more hyperbolic example here we could give. But but my, my point being you have two brands that I think are healthy and that are going to have exciting, matchups and it's fan bases that care like you add more passionate fan bases to an already passionate conference and so it'll be i'm sure a you know process for us to get acclimated seeing oklahoma wear that sec patch and texas wear the 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 sec sticker on the helmet but like you said at the end of the day as long as they don't shrink the week to six days a week and cut out saturday like we're (laughs) gonna be okay and having two more passionate fan bases and arguably the most passionate conference in america i think at the end of the day is, is gonna be a good thing from a product standpoint
0: Now, J.D., speaking of realignment, this came up last night. Uh, The folks over at OutKick reporting that it says the SEC reportedly is open to adding Florida State, but not Miami. The conference reportedly will never add two more teams from Florida. Your thoughts on if Florida State were to get the invite, would you love it, hate it, just overall feelings on the potential of the Seminoles coming to the SEC?
2: Yeah, man, I'm torn. I'm I'm torn on that because like we were just talking about a second ago, once we finally get to see in the schedule and we get to see, you know, Florida State versus Alabama as a conference matchup, like, heck yeah, I'm tuned in. Like, I, I promise you I'm clearing my entire schedule to watch that game and we'll talk about it beforehand. We'll talk about it after. Like, it will consume for my, you know, standard week probably 48 hours is what I'm going to give to that game but this whole part where okay well now you're not going to get Florida State Clemson maybe now you're not going to get Florida State North Carolina Florida State you know what Florida State Miami year in and year out like once we start to jeopardize some of the fabric that we've come to know and love about this sport with some of those rivalries and having Florida State be in the ACC the traditionalist part of me cringes a little bit at that but then once we get to the other side of things then I get excited about seeing the matchup. So. matchup. I think if they were to be offered a spot in the SEC, I would have a hard time seeing the the logic to not take a, a spot at that table, unless for whatever reason there was more money to go to the Big Ten and the Big Ten wanted Florida State. Like, there's a lot of things here that suits are going to take care of, and that I'm sure are, are you know they're being compensated accordingly to take care of. But as a college football fan, and as someone who's you know just kind of watching what Florida State wants to get done, they're saying, "Hey, we're not making enough money in the ACC." and we need to compete with the georgias and the alabamas and the michigans and they're making more money than us so they have more resources than us and i'm reading a book right now it's called it takes what it takes by trevor moad and in the book he talks about the illusion of choice like if i want to be in shape I don't really have the choice of what do I want to eat. I got to eat healthy. I don't get to have the choice of eating Doritos versus eating like a, you know, a healthy sandwich. And that's kind of the same thing with Florida State. If, if you want to compete with the best in the country, you don't have the choice about what kind of resources you want to have. Like The choice is, is one thing. You got to have the best resources to compete with the best teams. And so that's a longer tangent than you asked for, but I, I think it would make sense,
0: and I'd be excited about it once it got here. Yeah, and JD, not to take it down an unrelated path, but I love what you just said because it, it kind of reminds me of like entrepreneurship and building a business. And people say, you know, they try to equate like you make so many sacrifices, this, that. It's like, I think when you're on that path, you don't look at it as a sacrifice, you just look at it as you just do what's necessary. So to your point, yeah. like it's it's not a choice. It's just you either it's either part of your
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
0: identity or it's not so to your point it's like either being an elite program is part of your identity or it's not there's no like middle ground like ah, eh. it's like yes or no there is no gray area which can be a beautiful thing so the schedule release show or really the opponent release show because i don't think they're going to release this in actual like schedule format with dates what have you but we're going to know who each sec team is playing where they're playing them at and it's right now being projected jd our good friend brad crawford at 24 7 sports also uh, JB over at 24-7. I jump on inside the Gamecocks every Thursday. They are projecting this for South Carolina, which, JD, it's so funny that, you know, we we can't do anything without making predictions or projections, right? Even if it's a schedule, even if it's opponents, whatever. But this is what's being projected, and it sounds like all intel has pointed the following for South Carolina's 2024 slate. At Alabama, Georgia at home, at Florida, Oklahoma at home, Tennessee at home, at Kentucky, Old Miss at home, and at Vanderbilt. So we will not have, J.D., the opportunity to speak with you until next week. By the way, that also includes Old Dominion, Akron, Wofford, and the Clemson Tigers at their place in the non-conference. So we won't get to speak to you until next week. So your immediate reaction to that, if that's the slate, and what would your message be to Gamecock fans in regards to the ascension or the building of the program? Because, J.D., I know exactly where I go First thing I say, fans have got to be able to exert patience because while it may not be a nine-game SEC schedule, I mean it's it's even more of a gauntlet. We talk about this year being a gauntlet. Hey, you're going to add Oklahoma next year and go to Alabama. Like, come on, man, that's crazy. So, your over your immediate reaction to that, and then just thoughts on what it means for South Carolina football moving forward if that is the way it plays out.
2: I think the immediate reaction is it's kind of what you sign up for being in the SEC. And it's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek saying that because some people would say, well, yeah, well, we've been in the SEC and now we're at in Oklahoma and we're at in Texas. And kind of like we talked about in that one-off video that came out earlier this week, like there's a piece of this for South Carolina where that just ups the importance for 2023 to be seen as a team that's operating from a place of power or authority or whatever kind of adjective you want to throw to it. Just to be South Carolina being the upper tier of the SEC to have, one, the psyche as a team, and two, be in the place to recruit and maybe even go to the transfer portal to get pieces you need. Because like you said, that, that's going to be a gauntlet that I think is going to require a lot of South Carolina. And whatever they're able to do in 2023 may or may not be good enough for what's required in 2024. Like you would imagine, you won't have Spencer Rattler, probably won't have Juice Wells. And so we're rolling in 2024 with that schedule probably breaking in a lot of new pieces. Like South Carolina, I think the, the importance is is pretty high on twenty three. To be able to be a player in the portal and on the recruiting trail, like we talked about already on the show, uh, to be able to to add the pieces they need to be able to hit the ground running and what, what will be the new SEC of sorts, you know. So um, I think, like you said, patience is is going to be key as you kind of get used to whatever the SEC looks like past twenty twenty four and past you know what, whatever schedule you have in in the coming seasons. Um, but yeah, I, I think w- when I zoom out even more, my 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 thesis is. do you trust Shane Beamer? If Shane Beamer is the guy that you trust and you think he's the right guy going forward and you don't think there's somebody else out there that you would want, you kind of got to buy the ticket and take the ride a little bit. And the ride in the SEC is a little bit more ups and downs and a little bit more tumultuous than maybe it would be in, say, the Pac-12 conference. But even so, I mean, you signed up for it and I think Shane Beamer is the right guy to lead you forward, uh, you know, come highs and lows.
0: And JD, most importantly to that too, I want to add, I think, the long-term ticket when you buy it for Shane Beamer, it needs to be the long-term play. I, I just – I'll tell you this, man, because I think maybe some of this got lost in the first couple of years because, I mean, they have – they're way ahead of schedule, in my opinion. I, they're, they're way ahead of where I thought they would be when they hired him. And, of course, when you get a guy like a Spencer Rattler and the transfer portal allows that, right? Like, the, the it's not taken five or six years to rebuild programs anymore. But when I looked at when the Gamecocks hired Beamer in December of 2020, I looked at it as, okay, this is <clears throat> something at minimum – five years, like fans really need to dig in and allow him to build, allow him to recruit, because I think you can, you know, you can go out in the portal right now. You can get quarterbacks and receivers and these, you know, the the, the skill position players, but to build the type of trench depth is still going to take four or five years to get that level of guys because those guys don't typically play as freshmen. That's not really a recipe for success in the sec to be that young on both sides, of the line of scrimmage, when you're playing against grown men. And so I just think to your point, man, I mean, I, I even said this at this time last year that, As long as South Carolina is, and I'm not trying to bring down the expectations, but like in the first five years, as long as they're going to bowl games, they're winning six to eight games a year. You're doing enough to generate and keep, like you mentioned, that momentum. You know, I even go back to Will Muschamp, and that's a that's a dirty word around here. Nobody wants to talk about, but like
1: even this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes. Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call QuickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
0: You look at Will Muschamp's tenure, it's not because he didn't have a 10-win season. It's because they fell off the cliff and won four games. That's what threw the program. That's what what derailed it, right? There was no stability. So if Beamer is able to find that six to eight win mark, and you and I have talked about the importance of if you can win eight this year, setting a new floor. But I just think, you know, moving forward as it gets tougher, if you can sustain like, hey, we have staying power. We're not going anywhere. We're continuing to build. And again, I I think what you said is spot on with the importance of 2023 and capitalizing now, you know what I'm saying? Before they get there, um, You know, I I just think fans need to dig into the long haul, and I don't say all this because I'm trying to bring down expectations or because I think less of Carolina football. I'm honestly, J.D., just trying to be fair to Shane Beamer. Like, I just – in a world where everybody wants to win right now when it's year three and by year five, Gamecock fans want to be going to the SEC championship, I just like, you know, maybe you need to lock in with this guy for a decade. Like, like maybe it's going to take that long, right? And he's not going anywhere. This isn't Steve Spurrier where – <clears throat> by year 10, we're thinking, is he going to retire? Like Beamer could be here for 30 years, dude. He could be the Frank Beamer of this school. So again, I just wanted to echo that to your point, JD. I think if people can just dig in, be patient, let him build. You know, I, I think if nothing else, because I get the question, JD, of you know, is, is Shane Beamer going to win an SEC title, a national championship? It's like, you're asking if something's going to happen that has never happened in over 100 years. So like, it's very hard to answer, but I feel confident that Shane Beamer will Do everything he can, number one, and put South Carolina in the best position possible they've ever been. Whether they win a title, we'll see. But when his tenure is over, South Carolina football will be in a much, much better position than he found it. People just have to give that time to happen.
2: And Chris, you said this, I believe, sometime during the fall. It was a snippet I saw on one of your social handles, and I thought it was on the money. Like, comparison is just a thief of joy. Like if you're a South Carolina fan looking at Tennessee and saying, well, they put it together so quickly. Yeah, well, they got Hen and Hooker from the portal and they struck goal with Jalen Hyatt and they had a great system in place. And it's like that could happen to you too, but you understand there were some things that fell in line for Tennessee that like quite frankly you just kind of need to have fall in line for you. Like if if South Carolina were to add Hen and Hooker a season ago, like – I know you're probably happy with Spencer Rattler being your quarterback based on how that season finished, but I'm just saying if you were to add a caliber player like a head and hooker or like someone who can just totally change the complexion of your offense and how many points a game you're scoring, like that's a very big variable. And so to, to stack up what Shane Beamer's doing at South Carolina versus another SEC school on the rise like Tennessee, I don't know that it's totally fair to do. So I, I think what you're saying is absolutely on the money. Enjoy the fact that you got your guy at head coach. I don't think there's anybody better in the country for this job at South Carolina. And I think you ride this one out and let him develop what he's got in-house. And they're recruiting at an elite level. And if they keep recruiting at an elite level and have, you know, those four and five-star numbers where they need to have them, they're going to be in a really good shot for years to come to eventually get over that hump and be at the top of the
0: mountain. J.D., you know as well as I do, man, college football fans, they have Instagram syndrome, where truly the comparison to Thief of Joy, and instead of looking what they got, they continue to scroll in the feed, look at what everybody else has got, and you lose sight of what you have actually got. So, no, to your point, that that is a very, very good point. JD, last thing before I get chat here, are you a preseason magazine guy? I'm just curious. I don't know if I've ever, oh, if I've ever asked doubt. you that. Yeah, for sure. With which is, doubt. which it's, it's, is, is it too much putting you on the spot to say which is your favorite? Do you have multiple favorites?
2: No, not at all. Not at all. So, I'll say this too uh, I'm a little bit more. Uh, new to the game in terms of picking like which preseason magazine you're going to go with. I've kind of gone all over the place over the last couple of years, kind of found a rhythm with Athlon. But to be real, I'll probably probably buy Athlon. I'll probably buy Phil Steele. Uh, I'll probably even go Dave Campbell's Texas football to make sure we're locked in in Big 12 country in the Lone Star State, I guess, for it being the Lone Star... I guess for it being Big 12 country now in the state of Texas, they're going to move to the SEC. Uh, So I'll probably... I'll probably go all over the board when I go pick up my magazine, but I, I've been faithful to Athlon the last two years, and they haven't let me down.
0: Yeah, I've got Athlon sitting in here, Lindy's on the desk. I'll have Phil nice. Steele, pick six previews bro, all the way around. So you can't get enough, my friend, when you're a college football junkie. J.D. Pickel on 3Sports. J.D., man, you do a great job. I want to say that. Again, your Gamecock segment was great, but all of the national college football landscape, man, I love to see it and uh, keep up the great work and truly appreciate you taking the time each and every single Wednesday, my friend.
2: Chris, appreciate you, man. Love what you do here. So I do it again soon, man.
0: Yeah, man. We'll talk soon. Appreciate you, JD.
2: Appreciate you, brother.